0: Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to effect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. One of the things I do in my spare time is I will coach my kids' teams, my girls' like to play soccer, and their dad was a soccer player in college, so I'm very proud of the fact that they like to play this sport. But on this day, I was not very proud. Not of my kids. I'm always proud of my kids. But one of these stinking kids that I coached, because I told the kids that the object of the game is to win. I know now in the new world, it's like this, that it's time to have fun. Soccer is all about having fun. Playing sports is about having fun. Yes, but what is more fun than winning? I'm just saying it is fun to win. Well, one little joker, after the kickoff, decided that he was going to dribble through all of the players that were on the field. And I thought, well, that's not a bad thing to do. But he was dribbling in the wrong direction. And then he shot and scored on his own goalie. And I asked him why. He goes, because it's easier that way. That team just lets me go. My players did this. They're not going to defend against it. I said, well, that's not how it's supposed to go. The goal is to score in the other net, not your own. And I think sometimes that's how it is that we are. We're our own worst critics. We are the greatest antagonist in our own story. We commit the most egregious offenses against ourselves and our progress. We are our own worst enemy. We can be very judgmental against ourselves. We can shoot ourselves in the proverbial foot time and time again, long for progress, long to make a a way into a whole different existence, but somehow feel stuck, scoring on ourselves, defeating our own purpose. Our text invites us into that kind of thought where the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate to the Philippian church why it is that they're struggling to make progress. And in chapter 3, he's going to make that very plain. And so if you have your scripture, you can open it up today, smartphone, that's cool. If not, we're going to have it on screen in just a moment. But he's talking to this church about the way in which they were shooting themselves in their own foot. The progress of this new and budding church, she become stifled. And the reason why is because their priorities were mismanaged. Their focus was being uh, uh, placed off center, And because of that, the church was suffering. And it's not just the church in Philippi that has its priorities out of whack. Because sometimes our greatest priority in life is to see what High score we can get on the video game we like to play. Ooh, I I scored my highest score on Fortnite ever. Aren't you proud? And we post it for everyone that plays Fortnite to see it and go, you know what? Good job. But the problem is, is that's a small thing to live for. It's a small thing to live for to hope that you can make someone feel really bad in an argument because you've got just the perfect comeback. It come sometimes it's a big celebration. How much more money you make than your co-worker. Or, man, I had an awesome night's sleep. Or, how much better my life is than yours. These are some of just the posts on social media, the shout-outs that I saw just this past week. And I'm thinking to myself, it feels like our priorities are being mismanaged, like we're missing the point. I think Paul would say the same thing. He says that our focus should be Christ, and that's what we're going to pick up our reading this morning. Here's what he says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of me. getting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling us that when we're playing, we need to play to win, particularly as it pertains to our pursuit of Christ. But he sort of makes this really clear because one of the the areas that the Philippian church was prizing was the life that Paul was trying to shed. He was trying to shed his old life. And so he starts talking about what it was that they were pursuing. In their attempt to become more godly... They were trying to measure themselves against the old code of the Jewish religion. So Paul says, man, if we are playing that game, I will have outscored every last one of you. Check this out. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, now who brags about that, right? I was circumcised on the eighth day. He means it like it sounds, by the way, like this is a ridiculous thing to be bragging about. He goes. You know what else? He goes. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now, who of you have read the gospel thinks it's a good thing to be a Pharisee? But that's what he's saying that the Philippian church is trying to live like, like Pharisees. You want to be like Pharisees? Well, Jesus didn't have a lot of kind words for Pharisees. But if you want to talk about being a Pharisee, I was the best. When it comes games to upholding the law, I was faultless. And you know what else? I persecuted. Be so proud. This is sort of the tenor, the tone that's undergirding the strength of what he's saying. He's saying the life that you're trying to live by the way is toxic, it's harmful, and was actually a detriment to the to the promotion of the faith. And I was there and a witness when they were killing those just like you. And yet you're trying to become more like them. You're trying to level up in your life, becoming by becoming who you think it is that's actually succeeding in this race of life. I want to tell you all of that life that I used to live. The fact that I come from the uh, Benjamin Eitz and I were from this ancestral line that has a lot of clout and a lot of uh, 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 leaders that have come from its line. I consider that whole life to be trash. You're trying to level up. To that's the background of what it is that it's trying to communicate to the Philippian church. This is a life that you're trying to live is trash because your focus has gotten all kinds of whacked out of shape because of the life that you're trying to live. You need to learn to play to win. To not pursue that kind of life. That I'm trying to leave behind because I'm telling you, in all of my living in it, it's never once produced proof. You're like, well, Pastor, those aren't the kinds of things that we brag about in our culture. Well, just to make it more practical and plain this morning, we do try to live up to what the world believes to be success. We try to live into their ideologies. We try to live into the their, their framework of what deems to be successful and what doesn't. And we play their game, and every time we play their game, we lose because why? It's a losing proposition. Our goal is to play to win. And if we're going to play to win, the first thing we need to do is cut the mold. Gotta cut the mullet. I don't see many of you in this room tell you about my days. The 80s were over and I'm in the 90s and I'm in high school and I am feeling good. I'm overseas on this trip and I had this mullet haircut you know short on top, long in the back and my hair was halfway down my back and I was sporting this mullet. And I go on this missions trip, and one of my uh, bros comes up to me and says, man, you can't sport that mullet inside this church. And I said, "Why, wow, man, it's cool. He's like, no, first of all, it's not cool. It was cool. It's not cool anymore. And you're trying to bust it inside them. it's going to be a offense to them. And a fence to them, man, they're crazy. This haircut is my haircut. I can live in what I want to do. You can live that way if you want to. But I want you to know the way that you're living is pre- preventing the gospel. So just kind of let it go. You live in the past, man. You got to let it go. So I cut the mullet. Why? So the gospel could advance. I never, ever, ever grew it back. And the reason is because it became a hindrance. Sometimes we live into the past or we're trying to live into a life that we're supposed to leave behind. And that's why Paul says it like this, that our goal as believers is to forget what is behind us, to forget what is behind us. And to press on towards a new goal, a new plan. The problem with forgetting is that we really are bad at forgetting. We stink at it. You hold grudges that you said that you were going to forget about. You said that you were going to forgive that person, but still, that offense still holds on to your heart. But Paul says, if you're going to pursue the God life, there's got to be this way in which that you forget about the life that you used to live. So two ways in which he's thinking about forgetting here, and they're both important. To us. And the first is forgetting about the positive experiences that you have framed your life with. Why? Because the positive experiences that we've lived through are not going to get us necessarily to where it is that we need to go. Why? Because we can idealize this to such a degree that we're looking backwards instead of forwards. Like the quarterback that tells you how good he was in high school. He threw 450 yards one game, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Man, I was really good in high school. Well, what happened in college? Well, I wasn't good enough to play college. Well, what about now? Well, I definitely didn't make the pros. Why are we still talking about that? That was 15 years ago. you got to let that go. But it's not just in that arena that it happens. It also happens in church. We idealize the moves of God that have happened in the past to the degree that we don't see that what God's intention is to do something far greater in the future. The scripture says it like this, that the glory of the latter house should be greater than that of the former. And insofar as I'm looking towards this as the only way that success is in worship and the way in which we live together, I miss the point. Because God is intending to build on all of those experiences to create something that's far more beautiful and wonderful. But if our eyes are always backwards, always looking back we miss that God intends to do greater things in this generation, in this time, than have ever been done. He intends to do that. But when we are failing to forget our past, we miss that God has something so much better for us, for you, for me, for us as a community. So we need to forget the positive experiences as much as we do the look Now, This idea of negative experience is pretty important to this passage because the Philippian church would know Paul's story in helping to plant this church. It didn't go real well in the beginning. He leads an influential woman to Christ. Her name was Lydia. She was a dealer in purple, in which many scholars believe that she was wealthy shits and means. So good start already. They've got funding and they've got new believers that are coming. They're going to the place of prayer. The problem is this demonic girl keeps tormenting them as they're walking along the way. Paul investigates. He finds out that she's pretty much been this way her whole life, and he does something wonderful for her. He delivers her of this demon. He casts it out get out of here. But the owners of this girl, who was a slave girl, are, are upset because now their means of making money is gone. So they throw Paul in jail with his fellow compadre Silas. They're in jail for doing good things. Now, we all talk about the victory of what happened in that Philippian jail cell, but I want to tell you that just because it ends well doesn't mean there's not pain that we still have to navigate through. There's still some struggle, some pain, some difficulty that we're having to navigate, and this is clearly what's going on here. There's something deeply painful about this experience. You probably were asking, God, why in the world did I get thrown in prison for doing your work? How did this happen? And the jail cell in Philippi, by many scholars' account, was full of human waste. Some say and estimate that it could have been up to their waist because they love to punish people. How good of an experience is that set? Sounds awful, doesn't it? And yet, this is where they find themselves. They're in this kind of situation. This is a negative experience, but because they're trying to put this negative experience behind them and reframe the way the outcome will will, will be in their mind, they begin to do something that causes them to forget their present condition, which was worship. And when they worshiped in that place, the chains, the scripture says, fell off of them, and not just them, but everyone else in there. And so we don't remember the pain of the past because it's now been reframed by worship. It's been reframed by a new experience, a new encounter with God that's been so powerful that it changes even the negative experience. This is what Paul is saying when he says we need to forget what is behind. He can't just build this particular experience and and uh, that it's great as it ended and build his whole life on it no he needs to look towards new experiences and he knows that nor can he allow the negative experience to frame his life forever because they will perpetually be wounded i preach every week to, to this congregation and sometimes i travel out and i'm most of the time preaching to a congregation of people that have, most of the time that's from my experience not everyone But many people within the congregation and the reason why the wound stays because it refused to release them. They continue to hold on. They continue to grab hold of it as if they must have it to move forward. The offense has to go with them. The victory has to go with them. But if we stay attached to that, like my two-year-old that loves to grab hold of my leg and have me carry him across, carry her across the floor, it hinders progress. And for many of you and me, even myself in this room, we struggle to make progress because of our past because we tend to think that the past is going to be the way that it always is. But then we have to reckon with scriptures from Christ's mouth himself that says, Behold, I make all things new. I love that passage because he's saying there, no, I'm not making new things. I'm making, all things. I'm making old things. I'm making old things. things. Oh, that's God. You've with the past in the past we idealize because if we don't we miss that our focus was Christ which is what Paul says he goes I want to know Christ to be like him the power of his resurrection the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings this is what I want I want my focus to be Christ Because he understands that suffering is producing something through and in him. And that suffering is the new life that God intends through resurrection. And for you, for me, for all of us, that's God's plan. is always new life. And when we miss that, we lose our faith. We lose all our faith. And we become our own worst enemy. Another way that we're our own worst enemy is that our priorities can get so mismanaged. We don't value the right thing. One of the questions I ask our leaders all the time when we sit in this room, because in a church, there are many tasks that have to be done on any given week. Who's cleaning the church? How is the uh, electric bill going to get paid? What ministries are going to be able to be funded this week? How this is going to happen? How that is going to happen? How this conversation and this service is going to take place? How we're going to have the order of service this morning? A thousand questions happen on any given week, but if we get mismanaging our priorities, we miss the most important thing, that Christ is to be visible and seen in our community through the way in which we do worship. And so we always ask the question, what is most important right now? What is most important right now? What is most important right now? Paul asks this question, not that I've already attained, knowing Christ is the most important, the power of His resurrection. I need this for my life, to participate in His sufferings. I need that. What He's saying here in this scripture is real important. He's saying that God's death and resurrection desires to happen at any moment, at every point it ever did. Or to say it more plain, He intends to resurrect even the most mundane experiences of your life to make them spiritual, to make them an opportunity to but that means that when we're having an argument, that the purpose isn't to win the argument, but the purpose is to see God's resurrection and love and power come into that experience in the way that causes new life to come. When we're messing with our kids because they're having a hard time and not obeying, the purpose is not to get them to do what we want them to do. As a parent, that's a hard thing to reckon with. But the the more it is that the power and resurrection of Christ transforms that situation so that I don't have to tell my kids what to do. They do it automatically because they've been so reformed by the power of God. This is what it means that even the most mundane experiences like vacuuming can become very spiritual moments, but it means I also have to prioritize my, my, my life. What does Christ look like in this situation? And what is Christ's priority right now? Many times, most of our daily tasks get undone because of our priorities. We don't think about how it is when we're at work that we need to represent That's not a primary function. We think first about having a living. And the enemy does a good job of distracting us by making it impossible to even share Christ because you can lose your job or the threat of that normally looms large in our workplaces. Is it uh, any doubt in your mind that that itself is also a of the enemy? That's how the enemy works but if we're going to win this war then we've got to decide right now what's most important? What really matters? What really matters right now more than anything else? This time that I'm spending with my kids or some other priority that keeps me from it? Going to get out of debt or, mm, man, that looks good. Throw that credit card down again. See, our priorities get mismanaged all the time. And when they do, they can really hurt us. I have this friend, his name was Wade. And Wade was OCD. And I love me some OCD people, man, because they keep our world neat and tidy. OCD people got it going on. I am not OCD. I am a perfectionist in a different way, but that's will another sermon a different point at time. But Wade was OCD. And I showed up at his house for a party. His wife says, Pastor, you need to talk to Wade. I said, why? Because Wade is driving me crazy, and out of my ever-loving mind, I was like, what is he doing? I said, you see this house? It's still a mess, and you're already here. And you know why? I said, Wade, we got to clean the house, and he's organizing a drawer, a drawer. Do you see all this disaster? I needed him on this big problem, and what he's focused on is this box that's one and a half by two. Can you please help me with my husband? I said, bro, you got to focus on the big picture here. Don't miss the big priority. You've got guests coming over. And guess what? None of them are going to open this drawer. So it's time for you to close this drawer and get on some of these other tasks. That's what it means to prioritize. God's thing is God always has something big to give and to do through it in us. And even mundane tasks and wants to bring his resurrection power to it. But if our focus moves away from Christ or how Christ can be seen and visible in those things, we start aspiring for godliness the same way that the Philippian church did. By trying to measure our godliness by some standard that had become awesome. something us, Some of us are still living with the pressures that our parents put upon our lives. about priorities. But we know not really should be With this priorities of making it to the fellowship the people to come together in the gathering because something that and he's, he's, he's. when Paul switches the tenor of his conversation from the sort of facetious argument that he was making about his former life. You could almost hear the tears. In his voice, as he's saying, "What really matters to me is that—that's what matters more. Knowing more than anything else, knowing—very knowing really offensive in our modern culture. He says, you need to run your race in such a way that you are to win the prize.'" Run to win. There are no participation awards in the event. I know that my defense it just also runs, also I participated. There's no place for it forgetting what is behind and straining that word strain is like with all the exertion that you can muster to win the prize for which christ has called us heavenward for that the only thing that matters the the only thing is christ and winning the race that we've been called to run now here's the mystery and sort of the paradox of this you know who you're racing you're not racing against me you're not racing against your spouse you are racing you are racing against you and all of the excuses that the other you makes to not live into the real you that God has called you to be the excuses that you use to dismiss your efforts, the excuses that you give yourself to give second-hearted or a second-rate effort towards your relationship with Christ, all of the things that nag at us and eat at us, those pursuits finally will get us absolutely nowhere. He says, You are your own worst enemy, and you've got to run to win, which means that you've got to beat you. Look at this. got to beat you that wants to win an argument more than to see Christ come. You've got to beat the you that is so career-minded that you can't focus on loving your neighbor. You've got to beat the you inside of you that wants to lash out in anger instead of reaching forward with arms of love. You've got to beat the you that prevents you from the great that God has for you. The ambitions that we make the dreams that we have often can be oppositional towards the great and wonderful things that God has for us. And then we wonder why we're always disappointed. And we wonder why it never works out the way that we hope. We wonder why it feels like our lives are stuck in part or neutral at best. We wonder why we can't move forward. And it's because we can't outrun us. That other part nature, that strives for godliness in ungodly ways, that strives to build families without Christ as the center, that strives to go to work and earn a living without Christ being the focus. Paul says, all of those pursuits are rubbish, the trash, and I've left that life, and he's saying to us today, through the Spirit of God, you're not about that life either. I'm calling you to run the kind of race where you will win. The race against yourself. The race against those nagging forces that are always vying against the good that God Tens for your life, the breakthroughs, the miracles, that every time that we are running against our doubt that God is trying to say, trust me for the miracle. Every time we're running against our fear, he says trust me so you can see that I'll help you overcome. When we're running against our discouragement, we say that God is greater than the discouragement that I feel. We need to win the race against us. I'm not running against you. And you're not running against me you are running against you. You are running against you. And that's the race you to call. I know that running a race can get very wearisome at times. Particularly at certain points. My daughter is running... Cross country, and as she's run, it's reminded me of a story that my father in law once shared. He said, I was trained for a marathon and I trained to run the distance, but I could not train for the terrain because the area that I was running, the terrain was vastly different than the terrain that I was being that I was to run on. Since somewhere around mile 14 or 15, he just ran out of gas and just started. And he said, as he was walking along the way, discouraged, thinking about phoning his wife back then, he said, you put the quarter in the the phone. I don't know if you guys remember those days. You actually had to dial somebody. He saw a phone booth. He said, I'll call her. Tell her to come pick me up. But he said, this old guy comes running by and looks at him and says, run your race. I tell you, my race the last few weeks has been kind of crazy. But I know there's a prize on the other end of it. My race has been nuts. We've had every loving thing go wrong in our household. It seems that could go wrong. There's several. Couple the of islands. In the last two weeks, I've had our air condition break down. Two separate issues. last week, my springs on my garage door went out. Last Thursday, we could. was in an accident. was in a car was it an hit me. Yesterday, coming home from the Jordan Lake picnic, I was in the car with my family, all five of us. I'm in the rental for the one that's now in the body shop being repaired. And a woman, she pulls out And the four double lines, middle center lane right here, and goes over to the side of it and she's moving over. Into the side of my car. Just a couple seconds later, we're been a head-on collision. The enemy didn't want you to hear this message. Sore neck, back, all of that, all. I've come here today because I needed to run this race, and I am preaching this truth today because you needed to hear this truth. Because God's glory is greater, and it's worth it. His purposes for your life are far more valuable to me than the money I'll lose on spending to pay for those things. Then the inconvenience from the repairs, you're worth it to me. So I'm running for you this morning, and I'm running for me this morning, because there's a prize yet to gain, and I want to win the prize. And I've come today to call you to win your prize. anointing so strong and there's some of the story i can't even tell but some know because you were here first service (laughs) the enemy's trying but man god's glory came through so powerful in that service to redirect our gaze to what really our priorities should be which is christ and as we allow the power of christ to become full face apparent right in our scope of vision all of the muscle and all of the praise that you can offer to the Lord in this moment. I want you to give it to Christ. Allow him to be visible in your praise. If you can dance, then dance. If you can shout, then shout. If you can sing, then sing. If you can't sing, then clap. But you've got to do something because God is worthy And because he's worthy, his purposes will be accomplished through your life. Let's give God some praise in this place. Your fear doesn't stand a chance against God's love. Your discouragement doesn't stand a chance against God's love. The attacks that have been coming against your sanity, your mind, your spirit, your hope cannot stand the face of God's love. There is nothing that the enemy can do to destroy the good that God has intended for you. Because (laughs) the mystery is in the salt. Because God works all things together for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Meaning that even in our suffering, That God is making something new through it. And it might just be a new you. There is no power that's against you that God can't overwhelm. No discouragement too strong. And I just want to tell you, church, with all that I have within me, and why I've come to preach this today, because you need to hear it, win your race. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And you have victory in his purposes and in his love. I wonder if we could just sing that chorus one more time. Some of the uh, brothers and sisters have asked that they can pray for me. I'm going to step over here because I need prayer too. Amen. And so as we pray and as we sing, pray for someone. Pray for me. Well, let's just... Lean in just a little bit more as we sing this chorus one more time. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.